0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets.
1: If you're ever at a loss for what to eat, I like to go to the market and just walk through there. You're always going to find either take-home prepared meals, but their meat and seafood departments are incredible. So you can always get some great ideas there. The first thing you see are those kebabs in a variety of flavors. Oh yeah. There's some great ideas for dinner right there. And of course, their seafood Second to none. Have you have you purchased those big giant scallops that they have? I have not. No, I have. I have, and they are worth it. They're the
0: best scallops you're ever going to have. Uh, don't forget the poke bar, which is now available in all three locations. If you uh, want eat something on the go, going out for lunch, whatever the reason, there's always pokey as zoo pants.
1: Yeah, and you know what? There's a little secret to that poke bar. There's rice there, mm-hmm. and there's also lots of beautiful fish. Yeah. So, and it's all priced. By the pound. Right. So how would you go about that?
0: Go heavy on the
1: fish? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So um, their take-home meals are awesome. We just had some um, uh, stroganoff that was really good. Mm. And um, also, I always like to take pictures. You're not supposed to take pictures in the store for whatever reason, but we're allowed to because... They sponsor us, right? But that produce department is picture worthy. Oh, you it totally just want to pull out your camera, yeah. everything is delicious and beautiful. And right now, the citrus is fantastic. Um, so not seconded none over there. Their produce department absolutely a lot of locally sourced, mostly locally sourced uh, products.
0: And let's not forget the floral department, always beautiful and a great place if you're looking for a special gift for that someone. Three locations McAdam, West Burnside, and Lake Grove, and of course, always where Chris.
1: Zoopans.com, and in your mailbox, if you subscribe to the news feed, you're going to get deals in your email box. Got to do it. Cord, it's time to talk about Portland Knife House, and for those... Uh, folks listening at home if you're an avid right at the fork listener and we suggest you be one uh, you can go back to episode 161 with Eitan Zios and really expand on this uh, this ad where we're going to talk about their products Uh, so cool of Portland Knife House to sponsor our International Women's Month special series of podcasts and uh, everybody should we think it's especially appropriate because they're a business that caters to both the consumer market and also all our industry folks listening to the podcast yeah right it 's
0: owned and operated by former chefs and when it comes to like sharpening repair or maybe getting a customized knife, this is the place to go in portland
1: and the the other reason that it 's a place to go is there 's no larger selection no. of, of Knives in uh, for the kitchen in Portland, and I don't know. And I've been there to check them out. As a matter of fact, I just bought a beautiful uh, bread knife that I couldn't believe I it was as nice as it was. Yeah. it's not. I'm not worthy, but. It's absolutely beautiful. Yep. They also offer hands-on sharpening
0: classes. So you could take
1: your knife there to be sharpened, or they can teach you how to do it yourself. That's right. And so the best way to find out about those classes, because they do sell out, mm. is to go to PortlandKnifeHouse.com. But more importantly, head to their showroom on Southeast Belmont on, what is it on? 2637 Southeast Belmont. So that would be on 26th. Or you can call 503-234-6397. Whatever you do you tell them you heard it on right at the fork Mm -hmm.
0: here we are it's time once again portland's food scene podcast with your hosts only for the intro just the intro, just and the then intro. I'm out
1: of here. Everybody's very lucky.
0: Yeah, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna linger in the corner to make sure that the
1: levels are good for Lisa and Lori. Right for the International Women's Month podcast, this would be the second installment. Yep, that uh, we've had the privilege of uh, of uh, offering our seats. To women, so we can hear their perspectives on different things. Yeah. Um, And in this case, it's Lisa Schroeder of Mother's Bistro, who is near and dear to me because it was one of my first food experiences in Portland before I moved here, Mm -hmm. was at Mother's. And then over the years, I've gotten to know her and I just, and uh, I think she's, now she's one of the hardest working people we know she is and the backstory (laughs) that people should know is literally
0: minutes before she did this interview with Lori, she was working the line at the brand new mothers mothers 2.0 right she got she got stuck you know she realized it was busier than they thought it was going to be it was a holiday and so she started working the line the next thing you know it was time for her to be here recording the podcast and so she kept on working the line. She got she, here fast. She, we thought she, she, she was, she was already here.
1: late. Yeah, and we thought, oh man, she's not going to make it for another half hour. No. But she was here within five minutes. Came in to do this. gave a great interview. In
0: fact, I told her afterwards. I, I think if if she were to pursue this as her career, you and I would be out of a job because she was that it was that good.
1: There, that was my that was my worry about this series. Well, but, you know,
0: I didn't show her how to move the buttons or anything. <laughs> no, I'm but, just kidding. But it it was really good, and it was I think it was everything you and I wanted. In in terms of what we're doing in the month of March,
1: right? And Lisa, um, I thought she was the only. I thought of a few uh, chefs who were women or restaurant owners who were women. Lisa came to mind right off the bat, and um, I just thought she'd she'd be have some good questions. And so it was up to Lisa, who, by the way, was so busy. I think she was a little stressed about. It. I don't have time to pick a guest, but she did, and it's Lori Wolf, who who I had met at the. There was a Christmas event where people were selling their wares over at the West Annex. Yeah. If that's what it's called, I mm-hmm. think. And she was, we spent a lot of time talking about CBD and her product and really fascinating woman. And we were going to have her on the podcast anyway. So when Lisa said she wanted to have Lori be her guest, I thought that is fantastic. Because what better than to hear about the challenges in this burgeoning cannabis industry than from uh, from a woman who's been blazing trails early on.
0: Yeah, in fact, uh, she has been called by some the Martha Stewart of the cannabis industry when it comes to this.
1: Right, and she focuses on CBD. I think there's some THC in there, some of them as well. I don't know. Go check it out and find out for yourself. You're going to be glued to your seat with your earbuds in the entire time. Well, I'll tell you what. One of the things, the first episode was last week, which everyone needs to listen to, mm-hmm. which was Brooke Jackson Glitting interviewing Maya lovelace right and you can hear there are there are there's there are discussions there that you and i could not participate in or at least um generate right, right. The, the 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 only things that you'd want to hear from, from from women and as i said we have interviewed lots of women on the podcast but i think it's really cool to have women just talking to themselves about things that are important to them that uh and they can relate in ways that we necessarily don't we try right but but we're men, and they're women, and thank God for them.
2: Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupan's on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at Zupan's.com, eat well, put taste first, Love your food by Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. By Portland Food Adventures, inviting you to listen to Right at the Fork, episode number one. 70 with Proud Mary Coffee's Nolan Hurdy. Then imagine yourself eating and sipping your way through Melbourne, Australia this April for nine incredible days of VIP treatment at Nolan's favorite places in Proud Mary's home city. Also tempt yourself with an incredible Italian food vacation with Astri Enzyme and a wonderful October journey to Bologna and Emilia-Romagna. It's all at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under the Trips tab. Contact right at the Fork host Chris Angelus for more information and special savings on these PFA journeys by Gen Air Quality Appliances at Standard TV and Appliance. Standard TV and Appliance is your source for the best of Gen Air and associated brands where you can check out the latest technology in appliances like Gen Air's remote access ranges with a host of other cool features for your upgrade or remodel. Gen Air and Standard, both staples in Oregon and Washington kitchens since 1947. And by Portland Knife House. Dedicated to equipping the professional and home cook alike. Offering knife sharpening, repair, sales, and education in Southeast Portland. Owned and operated by former chefs with by far the largest selection of kitchen knives in Portland. With a focus on Japanese knives. See them for yourself at their Southeast Belmont Showroom and Store or at PortlandKnifeHouse.com. So, Lori
3: Wolf, yes, first Lisa. of all, um, hey, I'm really happy to have you here and to be talking with you because I think you're really interesting, and it's really good for people to hear about Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I <laughs> love you right back. So, um, Lori, tell me, first of all, what brought you to Portland, Oregon? You're not from here. Where are you from? No, I'm from the Bronx, New York, and
4: about 10 years ago, my husband and I brought our daughter screaming and kicking. We were ready for a new adventure, and we were both working at jobs, with, with. we didn't have offices, we didn't have to be in one place. So we followed friends of ours who had moved here many, many years before, um, the Jays, John and Janet J. And we visited them a bunch of times and I completely fell in love with Portland. I remember Janet took me from the airport to Grand Central Bakery and, in Multnomah Village and I had a piece of chocolate cake and it was warm <laughs> and I remember eating it and there were birds flying everywhere and it was amazing. I said, I, I have to live here. This is this is me. Like this fits.
3: Wow. And so now after ten years, does it still fit?
4: Absolutely.
3: So, um, when you first came here, what was your plan for your career? What were you? What? What have you? So, tell me a little bit about your history in New York. I, I hear you're a a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America. That's right. We share an alma
4: mater. Yes. What year did you graduate? I have no idea.
3: Oh, come on. Um, eighty three. Earlier in the eighties. Yes, in the eighties. Okay. Now you go to the Culinary Institute. What did you think you were going to do? Going to the. What did you want to do when you first went into the Culinary Institute of America?
4: I had lived in Brattleboro, Vermont, and I had a catering business, and I really only knew how to make four things, so (laughs) (laughs) that only went so far, so I, and a close friend of mine, uh, my friend Marcy Bloom, uh, was going to the culinary, and she loved it, and I loved food, and I'm like, this, I I didn't really have anything calling to me, I was an English and sociology major in college, and... A- and realizing that I had a lot to learn, I applied. And I had graduated from NYU, so I, I kind of thought of it as getting my master's. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, even after graduating, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in the field. But I did work as a chef in a couple of restaurants in the city. And then I met my future husband who talked to me. He's a photographer, he talked to me about food styling and I had never heard of it and it sounded amazing. So I contacted a woman and I apprenticed for a year with a lovely woman named Yoshiko Loomis and I loved food styling. And while I was doing that, the different magazines that I worked for asked me if I had done any recipe development and I really hadn't, but it sounded interesting. So I started to do that uh, in addition to food styling, or I would style the recipes that I created, and I got i so I became the food editor at Mademoiselle magazine. Oh wow, I did that until they realized that nobody who read the magazine ever ate anything <laughs> uh, like seriously, <laughs> like they wrote there like, nobody uses these recipes. How much can you do with lettuce? <laughs> so they cancelled having a food editor, and I then I got a job. I did freelance work, so I worked for most of the magazines that had food, and then I got a job at a parenting magazine called Child Magazine, and I was there for 19 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really wonderful, great people. I worked from home mostly. I had um, my son uh, while I was there, and it was terrific. And then, sadly, like so many magazines, it closed, and it was a... Around the time, I was going to keep that job remotely because I could, and then it closed. So when I got here, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, and a publishing company that I had worked with asked me if I wanted to do this Food Lover's Guide and the Portland, Oregon Chef's Table.
3: And those are two books. Yes,
4: and the Portland, Oregon Chef's Table is where I met you because we covered your food at Mother's and it was great and i did the same i did a food lovers guide in seattle and then and i was all this time dealing with a seizure disorder and i met this guy he was a doctor he said his name was dr phil but not that dr phil he was the pot dr phil and i we were just chatting in a volvo dealership and he said Uh, We talked, and I told him that I had epilepsy and that I was on Tegretol. And he's like, "That's poisonous. Don't let me tell you something. If you get a marijuana card, I guarantee you that in three weeks you won't have a seizure anymore." Wow. Yeah. Um, And I, so I got my card, and I started going. And I had smoked pot a lot in my life, uh, but not any kind of regular, you know, kind of routine or regimen. I was smoking just for fun. And I started smoking, or something, a little bit every day, and in and I worked with my doctor. I didn't just stop, and within three weeks, I stopped having auras and seizures. Wow! Yeah, it was a, it was really a shock to me because I was a little like uh, I don't know about this. Skeptical. Things. Yeah, and I so I was smoking and using edibles, but at that time the edibles were pretty dreadful. And I was like, you took a bud, dipped it in chocolate, and called it an edible. It was terrible. That
3: was about 10 years ago?
4: Yeah. And so I, I said to my husband, I'm going to go into the edibles world. You know, I love pot. I love food. And at that time, cannabis was only medical. So the potencies were crazy high. There wasn't testing. It was like anybody's guess. You know, I'd. I would take a bite and have to go to bed, you know, some of the time because it was so potent. Um, but and so I did that. I did medical. And dur- during like about five years ago, my son's girlfriend, Mary, asked me if she could help me. I had done packaging for my edibles. That really was like, at best, a fourth grade art project. <laughs> I mean, when I like I, she said, send me what it looks like. I sent it. When I look back now, I'm like, wow. But there was nothing available, so people took it. You know, right. half the dispensaries were like, "Well, my grandmother makes these," and, you know, they they were just awful. So I did a whole bunch of things. I did baklava, but nobody knew what it was. It was a whole different like cannabis scene back then where if it wasn't a brownie or a rice crispy treat, Nobody was interested.
3: So Mary, does Mary do graphic design, your yes, daughter-in-law? Yes, And so she approached you and said, well, how did it come about that you guys partnered? I, she said to me, you know, oh,
4: you know, your packaging is nice, but would you mind if I spend a little time and make it a little bit more professional? So I was like, yeah, sure. And I figured she'd just take my little pillow box and like, but she completely redid it. And it was fantastic. And she and Nick decided they were going to move here. Nick, your son. Nick, my son. And I said to her, Well, partner with me. I, I, I really can't do this alone. And she had marketing experience and she had some financial um, experience. So she did. They moved here. We did medical for a little while. And then when it was time for rec, you know, legalization of rec. We, we got a kitchen and we started producing.
3: So you have been really been working on this for a long time. I mean, as long as I know you, you've been talking about this project. Yeah, like seven or eight years. And um, when you first started, you said it was kind of like the Wild West. But now, what, how have things changed? It's,
4: it's unbelievable. First of all, le- legalization brought out people who would not have considered using cannabis before, because it was illegal, which, you know, to me was like, really? You're not going to use cannabis because it's illegal? Like that, I never really, I always <laughs> used cannabis legal. Or, I kind of liked it because it wasn't legal. <laughs> but um, I found, so it, the demographic has changed considerably. Dispensaries eight years ago, a bunch of them were pretty weird. And and the bud tenders were like behind a metal you know, screen or fence, and it's a whole different world now. First of all, uh, older people are getting into cannabis uh, and CBD, you know, cannabis with THC, cannabis with CBD. Um, Now I think the stigma is wearing away, and there are people who are realizing that they can use cannabis for things like sleep and get rid of their Ambien. Like I know so many people who used to take Ambien and now they'll eat one of our edibles an hour before bed and they sleep. I have a friend who didn't get more than three hours of sleep a night. Now he uses an edible and he's sleeping five, six, seven, which has never been part of his life.
3: Wow. Well, I think what's really important to note, though, is you're a culinarian, right? You went to the Culinary Institute of America. You didn't just say, oh, I'm going to throw this uh, uh, cho- chocolate brownie bar uh, with cannabis on the, on, the, on the market. You did a lot of research, didn't you?
4: Absolutely. Uh, some of the recipes were recipes that were in my repertoire for a long time. In the catering business, the four recipes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I... There were some things to learn. You can't just add cannabis to something and think it's good. You have to play around with tastes. Cannabis has a very strong taste, and I don't like the taste of cannabis. You know, my goal is to make edibles that have no hint. Some people like it, but i that's not what I want to do. I want to make a high-end delicious product that you would want Without, you know, it's more than just a vehicle to get cannabis in your body. It's a delicious treat.
3: Exactly. And you do some interesting things that others don't do. For example, everything is so sweet. What's the, you came out with a product that isn't sweet but edible. Yes,
4: we do a cheese cracker. And the cheese cracker, I, I describe it as the child of a shortbread cookie and a cheese. it Okay. So it's, it's buttery and... It's really a delicious, delicious thing. And it's great for thing. people who don't want something sweet. Exactly. And a bunch of people who use cannabis for different things have diabetes. So that was a question that we got a lot. Could you do anything savory?
3: Now, I remember you did win the dope cup for your nut mix, right? We did. Now, but you can't, you said you weren't able to market the nuts because you couldn't have even distribution of the, the THC?
4: Yeah. Um, the products are tested. <laughs> lab tested for homogeneity. So when we did our spicy nut mix, we could see that the little, like the indentations in the pecans, it held more cannabis than the peanuts. So I, you know, we would love to revisit that. It was really tasty. I think that was our first dope cup. We've had three others.
3: Oh, excuse yes, me. Yes, what, yes. we, what were your other awards
4: for? Um, our brownie. Our almond cake came in second place, and the cheese cracker won last year. Uh, wow! Which, yes, very proud, very proud, and we have them displayed in our event space, which we recently opened, and we look at them with pride. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. So, a savory option was a, a very good um, thing to, in the market. You rarely, uh, you rarely see. See something savory.
3: Now, when I, when I asked about the changes, I don't mean just also people's attitude toward uh, cannabis, but what about the regulations? Has it made, I mean, I remember you going through so many hoops. Have things gotten harder, easier? What was it? Did it help that you started this process seven years ago? Did it put you at least ahead of others that thought, oh, gee, this is a great idea?
4: It totally helped that we've been doing this a long time. I mean, it's hard. The regulations are hard, the testing, it it took time for us to get the homogenization down. Like that was the biggest challenge. And now we work with a lab, they're they're called Greenleaf, and they totally get it, they work with us if we have a little bit more of a complicated product. Like for example, we do uh, vegan gluten-free nut bars, like energy bars. And they have some chunkiness. So it's that issue, well, if one is chunkier than the other, will it have less cannabis in it? But they worked with us, and it, that worked. We, we It's not something we would have attempted to do four years ago. But we're pretty good now. We have it down. Um, the regulations have not gotten easier We've just gotten better at what we do.
3: Well, I remember, and one of the frustrating things for you was using canna butter, for example, that you were living in one county that didn't allow canna butter, but the other county did. And so tell me a little bit about canna butter, and are you using it now? Tell me. Um,
4: we were in a shared kitchen, and for some reason,
3: nobody really
4: seems to know why. In a shared kitchen, you can't, we couldn't make canna butter or canna oil. Now, where we are now, we can. So what we do is we infuse our products, we infuse the cannabis into coconut oil. The fruity nut bars, the gluten-free products don't, are only coconut oil, and our baked goods are butter. We infuse the cannabis oil into the butter. And coconut oil is a terrific fat for edibles. It's fat, and there's some thought that coconut oil works with your receptors in your brain more strongly, and it's a different kind of high. One of the things, one of the reasons, I guess the main reason why we do infused oil is because we're using the whole plant, so we have a different kind of high Mm -hmm. than a company that uses distillate or a solvent. So those things are highly processed. Our product, our oil, is the minimal amount of processing. So you're getting all the terpenes, all the cannabinoids, and when we get feedback, people are saying, you know, I did a 50 milligram gummy with that was made with distillate and I ate your a 10 milligram brownie bite and the high was better in the brownie bite. It's it's a different high. It's a better, like, all-body feeling. It's not, like, stressy or uh, like some of the, the solvent products can be.
3: So you're using whole flour yes. to yield your coconut oil, infused coconut oils and butters. I think that's a very big difference between you and some of your competitors, right?
4: Absolutely, Um. As far as I know, all of the candies and gummies are using a solvent of some kind. Uh, we we just feel very strongly that we need that whole that whole plant. Um, I find when I'm eating my edibles that it's a much more relaxing high than if I eat you know one of these things that's made with a, a distillate. If you're using a distillate. The only thing that's left by the time the process is over is THC. So you are going to get high, but you're not going to get the help with both, you know, physical and, you know, stuff in your head. It's just nuances,
3: though, less nuance. I imagine. exactly. You know, they talk about different uh, different varietals of having different nuances and effects. So I imagine, and don't you also offer some as sativa and some as... um Uh, indica?
4: We do. Our fruity nut bars do. We have a a sativa bar, an indica bar, a one-to-one bar, so that's THC and CBD in equal parts, and then a CBD bar.
3: I guess maybe we should take a minute for people who don't know about what we're talking about. Maybe we should take a half a minute and say, what's the difference between sativa and And indica, Mm -hmm. and also THC and CBD?
4: Yeah. So, I think that the sativa indica discussion is changing somewhat uh there are so sativa is known to be a more energizing creative you know go for a hike it, indica it's it's called indica couch it's a very it's supposed <laughs> to be more relaxing and i do see a difference uh, for me sativas can make me anxious. So I'm more of an into couch kind of a person. For anybody who knows me, they know I'm totally an into couch cannabis or not. But what's happening is as labs are kind of pulling apart what's in the strains, it's really the terpenes and the cannabinoids that are like. Determining what the effects are going to be. So, I think down the road, there may not be so much of a discussion about sativa indica, but it will be more focused on how much myrcene, which is a terpene, is in a plant rather than because you can also stick a name on anything, you know, who, you know, and it's a sativa or it's not. So, I think when people have the access to all the lab results, they will be able to make a more informed decision. I also think that once something is turned into an edible, you lose some of the nuance between those strains. So I, f- I mean, people are, and we generally use a hybrid, and it's, which is a balance of sativa and indica But I do believe that we're going to be putting more information out there, and it's not going to be so much about sativa and indica. It's going to be about the cannabinoids and terpenes.
3: Gotcha. Well, you know, you were called by New York Magazine the Martha Stewart of cannabis marijuana edibles. Marijuana edibles, the Martha Stewart. You know Martha Stewart, right? I do.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) And my husband photographed for her a lot, and I I don't know her well. He he does. Uh, it was quite. It was really an amazing, you know, thing to hear that. I couldn't get over it. Um, I hope Martha didn't mind. I have <laughs> since been in touch with her, and she seems fine with it. But she seems
3: fine letting you have that title. Exactly. So let Snoop Dogg do what he does with marijuana. <laughs>
0: totally. Pausing a moment here, Chris, to talk about a great place to go for dinner any time of the week. Ringside.
1: ringside. Look at that. You know I mean?
0: Cheerleaders. Yep. Ringside Steakhouse.
1: Yeah. In the Peterson family for 75 years. This would be the 75th year. Yep. And uh, there's a reason that restaurant has sustained so long.
0: Oh, yeah. They're, I mean, if you're going to a show downtown, if you're going to any event downtown, why not go check out their three-course
1: meals? Three-course supper. Yeah. $45.25. Before 6 p.m., Monday through Thursday. And just a
0: little bit more after that.
1: Right. And then also Monday is prime time. Yep. So the prime rib, three-course dinner, $35. bucks can not beat that. I mean, that's that's beautiful beef that you're going to be enjoying for that price at the Consummate Steakhouse in Portland as well. Yep. And uh, they have, we recently did a spot for them. That reeled off their entire happy hour menu. Oh, they have one of the best
0: happy hours in Portland, bar none.
1: Yes. So, and and you can get that all Sundays, 4 to 5.30. So mm-hmm. there's an hour and a half window on Sunday. And anytime you're ro- rolling around, 9.30 to close, excellent happy hour. So you can sample wonderful ringside food at happy hour prices. Yep.
0: Never a bad reason to go to Ringside Steakhouse. You can set up reservations online at ringsidesteakhouse.com. Hey, Chris, we'd like to welcome back to the uh, program right at the fork our great sponsor, Gen Air at Standard TV and
1: Appliance. Yeah, it's awesome. They were with us a couple of years ago, but appropriate now. both Both started in 1947 and just last year, Gen Air launched a beautiful series of new appliances. They really upgraded everything. They have two lines, Rise and Noir. you to check out at standard tv and appliance tell us a little bit about them court well both of these lines connect to wi-fi so
0: that you can use them using your amazon alexa or maybe you've got a google assisted enabled device like a google home connect and control appliances remotely like if you want to set the uh, oven before you get home you can do that get real-time notifications you can contact gen air call center through them and get this get a recipe from yumly the device more than one
1: you yeah. can do a few of them and not only that you can attach your dishwasher to amazon and get get lo- the dishwasher detergent delivered w- without even thinking about it nothing is worse than running
0: out of dishwasher detergent and not realizing it but your dishwasher or your washing machine are going to know this
1: absolutely so both the noir and Rise line feature irresistible interiors illuminated by cinematic and chef's lighting which is really cool you got to see these smooth racks and flat tines an expanse of dark glass really
0: easy way for you to check out these lines you can google search Gen Air Rise or Gen Air Noir that's one way to check these out but there's an even better way to do
1: it. Just go down to Standard TV and Appliance they have four locations, mm-hmm. one in Beaverton two in Portland, the showrooms are beautiful and you'll be able to see them uh, not only in the showrooms but on the, on the showroom floor and uh, also one in Bend for our millions of listeners out that way mm-hmm.
3: Um, so, you know, it, it's tough for some women in in the food business. It's tough in any business. You know, we sometimes uh, have to claw our way to the top. Have you experienced any ish, any problems as a woman, you know, getting things done or, or dealing with men who might uh, perceive you in one way because you are a woman and have to fight uh, to be recognized for what you know and what you can do and what you have done?
4: No. Good. You know, I really... I've had more issues about being old than being a woman. There's a lot of ageism. Yeah. I had a woman pat me on. I did an event, a dinner with these other companies, and I had a woman pat me on the back and say, thank you so much. It's really wonderful having seniors in the industry. Oh, my God. And nobody had ever said anything like that <sighs> to me before. And I, I was like, my uh, that's a dreadful thing to say. Wow! I just couldn't. And like she looked like, oh, you know, they took we took you out of the home for t- the day. And yeah. you're so cute. Yeah. Uh, so, but no, I, it may be different. I d- I'm not really dealing directly with dispensaries. I mean, I go in and talk, but what we, I and I would say Mary as well, uh, my business partner who does the business part. I don't think we've. Felt that.
3: That's really great. Yeah. And, and when you went to the Culinary Institute, were you an older student or were you the age of your peers?
4: I was older. I had already gone to college and I, it was at like a four years, you know, time between culinary school. And uh, so, you know, I've never, I mean, I was the older one, uh, but I'm, I, I'm always a little, you know, I've always been a little immature. So I kind of fit in with the younger <laughs> people too. Um yeah, so I have really, and I know people who say, "Oh, I'm a woman in this business, and it's dreadful." And and I, I imagine that it is. It just hasn't been part of my experience.
3: Well, and that's in the, And you're talking in the in this business. I'd say you're less in the culinary business than you are in the ca- cannabis business. Maybe people are more progressive. Maybe it is a younger industry because of what it is. Or are you finding that? Um,
4: I do think that the majority of people are self-aware and we're not dealing with the kind of sexism that i know exists in other areas right um i and i guess i don't yeah i'm not really in the i'm peripherally in the food business i'm in the cannabis business i'm I'm like a drug dealer.
3: I was thinking, (laughs) but only in the best
4: way. (laughs) Uh, What
3: are are, are some of the next steps for, uh, now the name of your company is? Lori
4: and Mary Jane.
3: And um, where can your products be had? We are
4: in about 280 dispensaries around Oregon, which is, you know, is a lot. Um, We're doing well. We're in many of, you know, we're in Oregon's finest. We're in Sarah, Electric Lettuce. Um, we're we're out there, and we have a great sales guy who really took us from twenty five dispensaries to one hundred and fifty in a year. So, wow! Yeah, um, it's the the industry is changing a little. A lot of inexpensive edibles are coming into the market, uh, cheap and potent. So it, that is something that we're dealing with. And I know that happens in any business and we're going to stand our ground and continue to use the best ingredients we can. Um, we are going to come out with a cookie that will be only 10 milligrams, be very inexpensive, and that will kind of focus on the non kind of stoner mentality. There's all these different people who come into dispensaries and want some people want the cheapest, most potent and then some people want the thing that's going to taste the best that will give them a nice high. But it's been, I've never really had a business before and trying to figure out what the customer wants with an ever-changing customer base is is a little scary because we are not going to do the 50 milligrams. We're going to do something lower for people like me and most of my friends who can't? Who don't want to eat something that's fifty milligrams? So we're hoping that this will bring more people into the dispensary, knowing that they can break the cookie in half, have five milligrams, which is often a comfortable dose for people.
3: Yeah, and most of your well, your cookies that are in the tubes they are five milligrams each. Ten like brownies. Ten. Oh, they're so ten. yeah. So um, inside the cap
4: of our pop-ups shows how you take a. 10 milligram cookie and cut it in half to make two fives, which I guess can be challenging. For I hope some you have a thing. diagram. We do. We do. And the cookie also will have to have a diagram. Is that it, mandated? Yes. Now, in California, I believe it's 10. And in Seattle, in Washington, I believe it's 10. But Oregon, it's a five- A dose, a serving is five milligrams.
3: I think for many people, just experimenting with cannabis, five is really plenty. Absolutely. People overdo it with edibles.
4: All the time. Yes. Yeah. Everybody has a bad edibles experience. We try and work with people and kind of our theory is, you know, Start low, go high. Ah. I say to people, like over five days, you should be able to know what your dose is. Start with two and a half. If two and a half is too much, you still could enjoy cannabis, but go with one. And if not, so if you start with one and a half milligrams of THC, don't take any more that day. If nothing happens, nothing happens. The next day, add more and work up until you find your comfortable dose rather than eat the whole thing and be absolutely miserable like I made the mistake yeah what, last tell us what happened with you there uh, last well, year um well I've had you know this is has happened a few times just recently I over I overdid and it was 15 milligrams and i and i really thought that that would be good but it, i have only been i've sort of been hovering between 5 and 7 but i thought oh 15'll be fine and it wasn't and i was uncomfortably high and i thought i tell people all the time don't don't do it and i didn't listen to my own words of advice and i got in bed and i thought first of all what an idiot and second of all it'll pass but like don't don't do it. It's so easy to have a fantastic experience and less is more.
3: Yes, and, and uh that's very important because some people can end up in the hospital and you had a time where you accidentally dosed with that Oh, the, God. What, what was that stuff called?
4: Oh, RSO. That what does that was, stand for? Uh, Rick Simpson oil. So it's incredibly potent. It's like eighty or ninety percent THC. And I honestly don't know what I was thinking, but I ate probably a teaspoon of it. And it it was dreadful. I mean, I couldn't form words. For two weeks you (laughs) were out, right? I I could function it. I I really, all I could think of was, I just need to be able to Google, does anybody die from an overdose of RSO? (laughs) Like that was, I was like, and I would sit up, I'd be like, nope, not ready yet. But in my head, I'm like, this is not good. And, like, by the fourth day, I could talk, but not normally. Like, half my mouse, mouth was paralyzed. I couldn't say full words. Oy. Now, I do not want to disparage RSO because for people with very serious pain issues and people with cancer, RSO is a treatment that is being studied and has some very important medical, you know, help. But um, RSO is not for someone who's just looking to get a, a, a buzz. buzz. Yeah, that was no buzz. <laughs> that was part of yeah, that was like a hammering over the head.
3: So you talk next steps. You're coming out with a, a cookie that'll be to four milk. cookies. Or what is what will the flavors be? Uh,
4: a brown butter, a peanut butter, a chocolate, and
3: a ginger snap. Wow, that sounds great. And then they'll be individually wrapped? Yes, there'll be one cookie in a package. Now, what other things are in your future? I mean, you've been going down to California a lot. What's going on there? Um, We have a kitchen
4: that's already set up that I think we'll do some kind of licensing deal with. They are in Santa Rosa, and this woman, Annie Holman, who runs it, like, well, once we met, it was like, oh my God, I love you, and she felt the same, and she's been fantastic. So now we're do I have to say, lawyers have been in my life now never before. Uh It's like, I I think that when you get to be, when you become a grown-up, you should have a friend who's a lawyer, a friend who's a doctor, a friend who's an auto mechanic. Like, you need these people, but um, it's looking very good. Like, I think that will happen probably in April. We also just opened a CBD kitchen and event space next to the kitchen that has is the THC kitchen. So CBD is becoming huge. It's cannabis without the high. And people it's it's blowing up. And recently the farm bill passed hemp. It's called industrial hemp, but it's really like craft CBD cannabis is what we call it. And it's, it's something that you can ship all over the country. The Farm Bill made it legal. So we are starting to work on products. Uh, I think that we're going to be working with new seasons, which is super exciting. And we're going to start a line of pet products. We have two veterinarians we're working with. So it's, we're going to be busy. How can your pooch
3: benefit from cannabis? Or pet products. What pets? What, how does cannabis help pets? For people who uh, adopt
4: rescue dogs and people who adopt or people who buy fancy dogs, sometimes like your pets can be a little nuts or they can have pain issues, inflammation, older dogs. People are using a CBD for their pets, for anxiety, for separation anxiety, for inflammation. CBD... Works for people and pets. Uh, amazing for inflammation uh, and sore muscles. And I, I have uh, two dogs. One of them is, you know, pretty normal, and one of them is kind of nuts. <laughs> I love them equally. Uh, only one goes out in public, and when I and I give the kind of nutty one CBD every day, and. She is like a different dog. She hops around. It's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. She was very afraid of people. She had a pretty bad barking issue. And now I just give her a tiny bit of CBD in her morning food. And like she's 15 and she's hopping around like, wow. you know, a rabbit. Yeah. It's it's amazing for pets.
3: And where would the pet products be sold? Well,
4: maybe New Seasons and then these veterinarians that we're working with, they are going to help us find places that that would be a good like starting place.
3: Are there rules for CBD like there are for the THC product? Can you just make it now and sell it, no problems?
4: Yes, um, you can. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of CBD out there that's sourced from places where you wouldn't want to, you know, eat yourself or give to your pets. So we are working with a farm. They're called East Fork Cultivars, all organic. They have, their products are phenomenal. No chemicals, nothing at all questionable. And so we're using that for our products that people will eat and our products for for pets.
3: So, um how are you doing in the business? I mean, one of the things you went, you know, one of the reasons why you do a business is you hope to be successful. And, you know, success is measured in many different ways. You know, you sell your product, but it's so hard. I hear now there's a lot of competition. Um, there's a lot out there. How, how are, are you successful at this? Is it your, yes, you're in stores, but are you making money at this? Eh,
4: um, I mean, we do. Our brand is known and... We are successful, but I mean, this is my first business, but what I've been told when I complain, "Oh my God, this is dreadful," this is what it's like for the first couple of years we We have never not been able to pay our employees. there are ten we're ten now, and we ha- Mary and I have mostly been able to take a tiny salary. Uh, but it's we're we're doing better all the time
3: it's but it's tough. you know, people get into the business thinking they're going to make bank. Come on, how long have you been at it? And you're yeah. just now starting to be able to...
4: Yeah, people write to me all the time. Uh, you know, I make a great blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking of making edibles. What do you think? And I'm like, oh, I think you should not do this.
3: <laughs> it's like the restaurant business. People say, oh, when I retire, I'm going to open up a restaurant. Yeah, what? Good luck. <laughs> when you retire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just...
4: And I, people laugh at me because I say, oh my... When I see people, like, how are you? I'm like, oh God, this business is dreadful. And I'm sort of being sarcastic because... It's been fun, and and the fact that I actually am, you know, cobbling together an income with food and weed, you know, that's amazing. But it's not, what you know, it's not like the people call it the green rush, and I'm going to kill it. I can't say that I know anyone who's you know buying a second house at the coast. Yeah, it's it, everything costs a lot, and when people hear it's cannabis, they Triple the price, you know. Whatever you know, the rent.
3: That's right. That's important, right? You go to rent a place to do it, and they and they double your rent. Absolutely,
4: and there aren't that many places, so people are paying exorbitant amounts of money. Accountants are crazy expensive. Lawyers, cannabis,
3: double. Wow. Yeah. So you're um gonna do some cookies now. You have an event space. What will your event space be used for? Um,
4: the thing I want it to be used for most is stoned goat yoga, but I might be the only person <laughs> <laughs> who wants, so I, it'll be just me in an event space with, with some a, goats with goat. <laughs> and I don't even know how to do yoga, but we're going to have um, different kinds of events. We'll have education, we'll have art shows and you know, it's not only cannabis. I'm going to do some classes teaching people how to infuse Um yeah, so it, it's I mean it, it's literally like the second week it's been open.
3: Oh wow. Yeah. So it's big news. Where is it going to be located? Where our THC kitchen is
4: 7958 Southeast Foster. So Foster and 79th and it's just like the other side of the wall. It's it's the, exactly the same <laughs> and it uh, we're just actually today the dishwasher is being installed in the new. Thank you. Thank you. Um yeah, it's Really moving. Might you do dinners there? Yes, we would love to do dinners there, and we're talking about it. I'm talking actually with leather stores. Oh, my favorite. Yeah, and about he's doing, another
3: CIA alum. Yeah,
4: yeah, and I I met him just once, but he's totally stoked. So I would like to do that. I'd like to do things with chefs in Portland. You know, not everybody's ready to come out. Right. You know, people don't want to say that you know, they're involved in cannabis, but, but I do have a bunch of interests. There are a lot of people. So I think that would be, be awesome.
3: Yeah. That would be something to look forward to. So we've got cookies to look forward to an event space to look forward to. Um, we're going
4: to do infused coconut oil. That's one of the products we're going to do for new seasons, which is edible and topical. So it's, you know, it's kind of uh, awesome that you can buy that and use it either way. Rubbing CBD oil on inflammation, muscle pain, it really works. It's it's wonderful as a topical.
3: When do you think you might see products out in the new seasons? Middle to end of March. Ooh, so soonish. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And lastly, I know you did like a butter kit, a can of butter kit, or does that yes. still exist? It hasn't existed
4: since we went recreational, oh. but it's in process. Okay, so, so yes, we will have that. So what it is is an infusion kit. The kit it's a two cup jar. It comes with cheesecloth and a certain amount of decarboxylated cannabis, which means the cannabis has been activated. Um other like it becomes activated if you're smoking a joint, but you need heat to turn THCA into THC. So we put an amount of cannabis in with a recipe booklet and instructions for people on how to make their own edibles. And we have a chart that shows you, depending on what your THC potency is, you know how much to add and you know how much a teaspoon will be.
3: Wow. Yeah. So you've got a lot of products going on. You really are the Martha Stewart of Aww. the marijuana <laughs> edible industry. Thank you. I Thank am you. really so happy to talk to you, Lori. and I, same. And I really same. admire what you've done and how you've stuck to it. You know, people think that uh, success just happens, and it doesn't. It's hard work. It's pounding at the pavement every day. Going at it, no matter how you feel, Mm. and no matter how much RSO oil you've accidentally (laughs) swallowed, but um, I really admire where you've been and where you're going, and uh, I look forward to seeing more of your products on the shelves. Well, thank
4: you, and thank you for taking your time out of your recently moved restaurant. (laughs) Because I know you're slammed. You work harder than anybody I've ever known. <laughs>
3: well, I did just fly off the line and right into my car and right here to interview you. So I'm glad we were able to make it Me happen. Me too. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Ah, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at Right at the